You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. So uh, today I wanted to share a text from the Zohar. Uh, For those of you who are unfamiliar, the Zohar is uh, the central text uh, of Jewish mysticism. Um, It is often attributed... Hi. It's often attributed to... um, to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, uh, who uh, um, lived in the uh, in in um, the first century CE, uh, but it is uh, actually most likely not written by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. It was uh, probably written uh, in the uh, in the uh, early Middle Ages uh, in, uh, in in Spain, uh, and uh, it's. Uh, it, what the Zohar, uh, how it's composed is as uh, uh, an extended commentary, almost like a midrash um, on the Torah. So it, it explicates uh, verses of Torah um, one by one uh, and reads the Torah um, as, uh, as, a, as a code, uh, as it were, um, for the interaction between different aspects of the divine um, and the interaction between uh, different aspects of the divine and the world, including humanity. Uh, and so, uh, so it, uh, it doesn't read the Torah usually contextually, although it uh, um, sometimes uh, references the contextual meaning of the Torah. Instead, uh, sees the Torah as being a, a garb cloaking a deeper spiritual meaning of the text. Here's what uh, it talks about for uh, Sukkot. Here's one of the things it talks about for Sukkot. Okay, the verse in Leviticus that uh, uh, we, uh, we, we often read on Sukkot is, Basukot teshvu shivat yamim. On Sukkot, in Sukkot, you should dwell for seven days. That's the, that's the commandment to, uh, to, to dwell in a sukkah over the course of Sukkot. Note, by the way, this is an aside, that the commandment isn't to build a sukkah or to own a sukkah, right? The commandment is to dwell in a sukkah, which is why you can fulfill the commandment uh, by having a meal in the, in the synagogue sukkah. And you're welcome, by the way, even when we don't have services, to come and have a meal in the, in the synagogue sukkah uh, or to come and, and fulfill the obligation. But in, you could sleep there if you wanted to. There may, there may already be people sleeping there. Uh, we never know. But anyway, um, so that's okay. But Sukkot Shivat Yamim, you should dwell in Sukkot for seven days. Pikuda da Leshev Basuka. So this verse... That, by the way, the, the Zohar is written in Aramaic, uh, and uh, one of the ways that we know that it probably was not written when it traditionally is uh, ascribed to have been written is because the Aramaic does not match the Aramaic that of, of the time period of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Um, so Pikura Da, and it's a, it's a different kind of Aramaic than you would find even in the Talmud, for those of you who are regulars in Rabbi Creditor's Talmud class or study Talmud, so the, the Aramaic is different, makes it more complicated, harder to learn. Pikura Da Lishev Sukkah, so this commandment to dwell in the Sukkah, the uh, Ha'okimna, uh, and, uh, and so we're going to explain the, uh, the meaning of what it means to dwell in the Sukkah. 
begin la achazaa di Israel yatve beraza de mehamnuta belo de chiluklal. Right, so the point of, uh, of dwelling in a sukkah uh, is uh, to show everybody that Jews are dwelling in the secret or in the, um, in the, uh, in, yeah, the, the secret of uh, faith without, uh, without fear at all from, uh, from the accusers or from uh, evil forces or from those forces in the world that drive us or compel us or persuade us to commit transgressions. In other words, the sukkah is protection from, uh, for, for, uh, the, for Jewish people, whoever dwells in Sukkot, the sukkah is protection, spiritual protection, from uh, forces that compel us, urge us, lead us to, to sin. Because the mikataragim, those evil forces, those urges to transgress, leave us referring to Yom Kippur, right? Yom Kippur, we're cleansed of our transgressions. We're, we're sitting in this sense of being angelic on Yom Kippur. We have a full day where all of our uh, past transgressions are wiped away. We start with a clean slate in the coming year, right? And uh, the, the, um, the, the mystical tradition, the spiritual tradition, is that we're these pure beings of light, right, following Yom Kippur, um, where, uh, where uh, we've... we've uh, excised ourselves, we've shuffled off all of those uh, um, uh, urges or, or, or forces that try to get us to, uh, to transgress. All yedei hasa'il azazel, by means of the, um, of the uh, uh, goat to azazel, right? So we, we, uh, we put all our sins on this goat, we send it to the wilderness, right? And then we have no more we have no more uh, uh, forces that are urging us to sin um, immediately following Yom Kippur. And it doesn't say it in this text, but it's implied, you know, why is Sukkot so close to Yom Kippur? And all the more so, uh, the Jewish law says that, one, that the first thing one should do after uh, after Yom Kippur, or maybe after you have your bagel on Yom Kippur, um, is to go out and build your sukkah. Right, that the first thing that you do after you have spent your whole day in prayer and not eating and, uh, and, and uh, placing all your, throwing away all your sins, casting off all your sins, the first thing you do is a mitzvah. You busy yourself in a mitzvah. And then for the whole several days leading up to Sukkot, because it's only a handful of days leading up to Sukkot, from Yom Kippur to Sukkot, Right, what you're doing in that short span of time is you're uh, busy occupying yourselves with all aspects of a, of a new mitzvah. Right? So you have to build the sukkah, you have to find a lulav and etrog, you have to decorate the sukkah, you have to get all the meals ready for yantif, right? And I think that what it's hinting at here, although this is maybe a little bit more pedestrian than the Zohar uh, is, is hinting at really, because I think they're thinking about it in much more supernal terms. But if you think about it this way, right? Following Yom Kippur, the tradition doesn't give us any time to commit a transgression, right? Because it has us be so preoccupied with performing a mitzvah that it's hard to, uh, to, to fall into old habits, to fall into old ways, to fall into uh, modes of being and modes of practice that aren't working for us and, uh, and are uh, harming us or other people because we're so busy doing the work that we need to do for Sukkot. 
man de ihu beraza de mehamnuta yativ basuka. And anybody uh, who is dwelling in the sukkah is dwelling in, um, in, in, a, in a sense of the secret of faith. In other words, you're dwelling, uh, the Zohar says, in the immediate uh, embrace of complete divine protection. That's what the sukkah symbolizes. The immediate embrace of complete divine protection. And when you dwell in a sukkah, you're dwelling in the presence of the divine. That's what it means to leave your home, to leave your life, and to go and dwell in the sukkah. And immediately after Yom Kippur, the point in which we're most spiritually clean, but therefore perhaps most spiritually vulnerable, we go directly outside to dwell in the sukkah, to dwell in the midst of the divine presence, to occupy ourselves in the process of performing a mitzvah that disables us from really doing anything that uh, is spiritually harmful because we're so busy with this, uh, with this thing, and then to, uh, to surround ourselves with godliness so that we are... Uh, not involved in the day-to-day -day, uh, life works uh, that so often lead us astray and lead us to transgress. Kemado kimna, as we explained uh, elsewhere, dichtiv al kol ezrach Israel yeshvu basukot, about the verse that says all uh, people of, uh, of Israel, all Jewish people should dwell in Sukkot. Man de'ihu barazab de'mehamnuta, that someone who dwells within the secret of, uh, of faith. Umizara umisharsha de Yisrael, and is, uh, and is of Jewish stock. Yeshvu basukot varaza da itmar bechama duchte. Right, and so this secret is explained uh, in a number of places. So what's the secret? What's the secret of the sukkah, and what's the connection between Sukkot and Yom Kippur? That's what the Zohar is getting at here. And I think it's that double connection. The first is that the tradition has us, after Yom Kippur, rushing to do a mitzvah. So that we are occupied in holy work, and therefore unable to sink back into old habits and old patterns. And then... We are surrounded with mitzvot for seven days, immediately following Yom Kippur. There's a deep psychological insight in this passage from the Zohar that maybe even the Zohar itself didn't realize. And it's an insight that's reflected in the Mishnah, where it says, mitzvah goreret mitzvah, avera goreret avera. That a good deed leads to... Uh, drags you, as it were, to doing more good deeds, whereas a transgression drags you to performing more transgressions. And the idea of Sukkot, why it's so intimately connected with Yom Kippur, why it comes so soon after Yom Kippur, is I think precisely in that vein, and I think that's what the Zohar is getting at for us. That, it, that, that immediately following Yom Kippur, we dwell on all of our transgressions, we cleanse our past, and then it says, rush to do a mitzvah, surround yourself by mitzvot, surround yourself by proactive, positive, good deeds that you can do, not only because it will distract you from the bad deeds that you otherwise might be doing, but that it inculcates, it cultivates uh, a sense within you of, of, of starting a year on the, on the right footing, 
on a footing where you become habituated to performing the commandments, where you become habituated to performing good deeds, that you surround yourself by goodness. It's an insight that uh, Rabbi Yosel Krantz from Chabad said last year we were doing this uh, session uh, for Slichot. And he said, you know, like lots of rabbis focus on the high holy days about, you know, all the, all the bad stuff that we've done in the past year and all the bad stuff that we might do in the coming year and how we should uh, 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 train ourselves not to do those things. That's important. But the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, there's a verse that says, Sur merav asetov, turn from bad and do good. And those are actually two dimensions of a righteous life. But you can't just turn from bad. You also have to do good. And sometimes when you're doing good, you become less able to do bad. So you don't necessarily need to turn from bad in order to do good because when you accustom yourself to proactively doing good, it turns out that you then accustom yourself to doing less and less bad. That's what sukkah invites us to. That's what sukkot invites us to. A way of living, a way of being where we are accustoming ourselves in this new year, training ourselves, drawing ourselves to a life where we do good. It may not totally stop us from doing the wrong, the, the misdeeds that we uh, have been doing, but if we come habituated to doing the right thing, to doing good things, to doing mitzvot, to helping others and to helping ourselves to, uh, to, to living in, uh, in, in the light of, uh, of God's uh, uh, instructions for us, then we become less able, we have less time for doing those things that maybe we oughtn't, uh, that we oughtn't do. And we have less capacity, we're, we have uh, less of a habit of doing those things that maybe we oughtn't do. Why does Sukkah come so soon after Yom Kippur? To train us about how to live in the rest of the year. Hug some air.